Hey there, beloved. Welcome to the first episode of the Ask Kelly Show. I am your host, Kelly Miller, independent device columnist as well as love and life coach. So in today's episode, we will be addressing why dating is hard. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it so, so much, and I do hope you'll stick around for the long haul. I also want to take the time to invite you to follow me on my socials. Follow my blog, askkellymele.wordpress.com for all my previous advice on dating, relationships, and self-improvement. Follow and like my Facebook page, Ask Kelly Mele. Add me on Facebook, at Kelly Mele. And if you'd like the opportunity to vote for the next topic, then follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Mele, and on Instagram, at kelly.mele. Said, let's dive into today's topic, why dating is hard. Dating is a challenge and many of us would argue that it's because of the opposite sex. They're the problem, they need to get it together. Some of us would argue that it's a result of the dating games that people play. But the truth is, is that there is a more profound reason why dating is challenging that has nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with us. The reason why dating is hard is because we have a wonky picker. The picker is our internal guide that sees someone and says, this, this is it. This is the person I want to be with. Now, the reason why we have a wonky picker goes deeper than what we look for in terms of whether we want a bad boy or the boy next door or whether we pick someone based solely on their physical appearance or their intellect. The first thing that contributes to us having a wonky picker is that all of us pick partners based on how much they resemble our caregivers, both negatively and positively. If we have a mother who is warm yet overbearing and intrusive, or a father who is cool and calm yet emotionally or physically distant, then that's the sort of partner we'll unconsciously look for. Now, the reason why we date people who resemble our caregivers is because we seek to recreate our family dynamic and heal the wounds that we acquired in childhood. We do this by seeking relationships with people we sense can both love and hurt us in familiar ways, in ways that our caregivers did, in hopes that we can get them to love us in ways that feel meaningful to us. All of this relates back to what is known as the attachment theory. The attachment theory, simply put, is how we are attuned with ourselves and others, how we relate to the world. It consists of four types of attachment styles. Secure, anxious, preoccupied, also known as ambivalent, fearful avoidant, also known as disorganized, and dismissive avoidant. I won't touch on these too much because I'll be doing episodes on each of them in the future. But to summarize, people with a secure attachment style have both a positive view of themselves and others and are able to forge long-lasting, healthy relationships. People with an anxious attachment style have a negative view of themselves and a positive view of others. They have an overwhelming desire for intimacy in relationships and are in constant need of validation. 
people with a fearful avoidant attachment style have both a negative view of themselves and others. They have a desire for intimacy as well, but are profoundly terrified of it. And lastly, people with a dismissive avoidant attachment style have a seemingly positive view of themselves and a negative view of others. People with this attachment style deny the importance of intimacy and love altogether. For more info on attachment styles, visit my blog, click menu, then advice, and use the keyword attachment styles in your search. I want to disclaim that you check out the info I've provided on attachment styles simply for your edification and not for the purpose of self-diagnosing. Now, the reason why attachment styles are so relevant is because when it comes to insecure attachment styles, opposites attract. Say, for example, we have an anxious attachment style. The likelihood is that we will attract partners who are dismissive, partners who are out of reach, emotionally unavailable, and struggle with communication. Why? Because we had a caregiver who was the exact same way. The second thing that contributes to us having a wonky picker is that most of us consciously or unconsciously pursue instant intense attractions. In other words, we seek love at first sight sort of relationships. People who make us weak in the knees and give us butterflies upon meeting them for the first time. We do this because we believe that true love lies in a love that hits us dead in the face. A love that is instant, passionate, and even consuming. The problem with love at first sight is that it isn't actually love. Although Western culture does an exceptional job of perpetuating the fact that it is. What it really is, is our subconscious reacting to the fact that we have found someone who feels familiar. Someone who may resemble our caregiver. Now most of us are unaware of all of this, and this is why we find dating so challenging. Why we run into the same lovers over and over again. Why we get our hearts broken in the same ways over and over again. So now that we're conscious to this, how do we fix this? How do we make dating a little less challenging? The first step is to accept the fact that we seek people who resemble our caregivers. A lot of the times upon discovering this, many of us may have a hard time accepting it. We may vehemently deny the fact that we unconsciously look for our parents, our grandparents, an uncle, a lover, we may vehemently deny the fact that we unconsciously look for a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle within a lover, but it's true. If you take a look back, you'll notice that your soulmates thus far have been people who resemble your caregiver, either to a high or low degree. This is something that we need to come to terms with and accept in order for us to move forward. Second step is to become familiar with our attachment style as well as the positive and negative traits our lovers tend to have that resemble our caregivers. What is your attachment style? How does your attachment style manifest in dating and relationships? In what ways is it preventing you from getting the love that you desire? In what ways are you trying to heal through the other person? For this, I highly recommend not only doing your research on attachment styles, but consulting a therapist or a psychologist. 
not only to better understand your attachment style, but to garner the tools that will allow you to show up in relationships in a more secure and healthy way. As for the negative and positive traits, what are some of the patterns you see in your romantic life? What qualities or behaviors do your love interests have that resemble your caregivers? Try by all means to steer clear of people who tick most of the negative traits, especially if those negative traits create an abusive environment. The third and last step is that we need to accept that instant intense attractions aren't a true indicator of true love, but rather of familiarity. While instant intense attractions tend to be the most passionate, they also tend to induce the most insecurity in us and lead to relationships that are unstable with high highs and low lows. In addition to that, Instant intense attractions blind us to the quality of our interaction with our love interest. They make us exaggerate how great someone really is and cause us to neglect serious red flags. Now, this isn't to say that all relationships with people we have instant intense attractions are doomed to fail. They're not. However, you probably noticed how much more painfully triggering they are, these relationships are and how making them work requires a lot more effort. The key to resolving this is to pursue attractions that don't hit us dead in the face. Attractions that grow at a gradual and healthy rate. We can accomplish this by dating people we are initially intrigued by rather than immediately infatuated with. If you have a tendency to look for a spark on the very first date, or a tendency to zero in on the person who incites the most overwhelming feelings. Note that I said the person who incites the most overwhelming feelings as opposed to the person that you're actually compatible with or who meets your requirements. Then I implore you to try a different method. We all have what Ken Page refers to as an attraction spectrum. And the people that fall, the people that we fall head over heels for from the jump are usually higher on the attraction spectrum. A lot of the times when we experience heartbreak, we tend to overcorrect our mistakes so that we don't experience it again. What this looks like is if we got our heart broken by someone good looking, we'll overcorrect by dating someone who's a little less good looking. Or if we got our heart broken by someone who's free spirited, We'll, correct, we'll overcorrect by dating someone who's more traditional and conservative. The issue with this is that the overcorrection doesn't always resolve our issue. We may still get our hearts broken, or we may be the ones to be the actual heartbreaker due to the struggle to being able to fall in love with someone who doesn't move us quite as much. The key to discovering a good match and a healthier love is to fall for the people who fall in the middle of our spectrum. Now, because our encounter with people in the middle of our spectrum won't be as breathtaking or time-stopping or anything that we see in the movies, we have to give this connection some time. We have to give the people in the middle of our spectrum a chance to surprise us and allow the attraction to grow over a period of time. An example of this would be, for example, a character in a movie. John will name him. John has eyes for Susie, 
but happens to spend quality time with Amy and slowly begins to develop feelings for Amy over time. Now, unlike attractions with people on the lower end, attractions in the middle can actually develop into rewarding and long-lasting relationships. In fact, they're often said to be the most stable and long-lasting relationships. Whereas attractions on the higher end tend to be rocky, involve on-again, off-again dynamics, and the people who prefer them are more likely to end up single. Now, when it comes to median attractions, not only will these sort of attractions feel more stable, but we'll also be able to have a clear image of who we're getting involved with because we're less likely to experience as much of an emotional intoxication as with those we have instant intense attractions to. A note I would like to leave you with is that ultimately dating and the process of falling in love should be a marathon, not a sprint. So, what is your attachment style? How are your experiences with quote-unquote love at first sight been? What are your thoughts on this episode? I'd love to hear what you think, so do share your thoughts with me on my socials. If you need sound advice on matters of the heart or life, or if you would like one-on-one coaching, head over to my blog, click menu, then programs and services, the details on how to book a session with me. If you would like to support this podcast, then please follow it on whatever platform you're listening from and make sure to share this episode with a friend. All right, beloved. Until the next episode, ciao for now. Thank you.